Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter number three in your Bibles. And it's been a busy week this week with the meeting, and then my wife and I were in meeting last night, and um, but God gave me this message a little earlier this week, and just looking back over it this morning and sort of getting all excited, just getting excited about it again. And uh, let's look at it today, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, when you find your place, look at verse 1, let's all stand if you're able, if you're able that is, and uh, Colossians 3, and I've got uh, verses 1 through 7 on the screen, and so let's do that, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore, because of these things is what it's saying, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication and cleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. You may be seated this morning. And I'm really interested in verse number three. The Bible says, for ye are dead. And I want you to notice the last part of the verse. And your life is hid with Christ in God. And your life is is hid with Christ in God. What in the world? What does that mean? I want to see if I can explain that to you this morning, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll be a help to you. And so let's go to the Lord and ask God to to meet with us in the Bible study today, and I hope it'll be a a blessing. Father, we love you, and thank you so much for the privilege to, to be back at church today. Lord, it really is a privilege. Lord, I'm glad we didn't have to come. I'm glad we got to come. And uh, Lord, it was not an obligation. It was a privilege, an opportunity. It really is. And we thank you for all that's been done, Lord, from uh, early this morning as our folks have been ministering, picking up folks on the van, uh, folks ministering over at the nursing homes, uh, folks teaching in Sunday school classes. Uh, Lord, the radio broadcast went out over the radio uh, waves today. And now, Lord, we've come to this time of the service. And I pray, Father, all that's done would bring honor and praise and glory to really the only one who is deserving, and that's Christ. And so I pray, Father, that he would be lifted up, that he would be glorified. Bless our discussion this morning. Father, I pray it'll make sense. I pray it'll not only make sense, but I pray that it will be helpful. And then, Lord, most of all, I pray that it will please you and glorify you. Fill us with the Spirit of God. Hide us behind the cross, Lord, please. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Again, just reading in my devotions this week, and I came across verse number three. The Bible says, for ye are dead. Now, this is talking to saved people. This is talking to the church. This letter is addressed to the church. For you're dead, uh, and your life, your life, your new life in Christ is what it's talking about is hid with Christ in God. Well, that phrase, as I read that, that phrase sort of jumped off the page at me. 
And then I began to study it out. And when I began to study it out, when I got even more excited about it, uh, I began to study that word hid, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And it is the Greek word crypto. And when I saw that, of course, the light turned on, and I thought, okay, that's something that w- that's very relatable today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, crypto, the Greek word crypto, and it just simply means covering or something that is concealed. Most of you here this morning have heard of something called a crypt, a crypt, uh, which, which is normally just a vault. It's a vault. We Down here, if you go down here to our cemetery, um, uh, there are people buried down there, of course, and they had a vault. And uh, and that vault is something that is uh, where the body is laid, the corpse is laid, and it's buried usually underground. That crypt is, is called a crypt because it is something that is hidden. But then there's something that's a little bit, little bit more, maybe even uh, you've heard about it here in the last little bit, and that's something called cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency. And, uh, and just in case you haven't, it's a type of money that's not necessarily tangible. In other words, you can't, you can't hold on to it. It's not paper money. It's not physical money, but it's actual digital currency. Um, and uh, how many have heard of cryptocurrency? Yeah, some of you have. And uh, some of you heard about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is something that came out several years ago, and it went big time. And boy, if, if you would have bought into Bitcoin back then, you, uh, uh, you ought to be a real good tither at Calvary Baptist Church today. Uh, and it went really, really big, and, and those shares went out of sight. And, but Bitcoin is a type of, it's a type of cryptocurrency, and it's digital currency, but it trades like physical currency. And the reason they call it cryptocurrency is because it's not something that you hold in your wallet, and it's not something that you hold in your hand. It is hidden, is what it's talking about. And then there's something called encryption, encryption. And you're hearing more and more about that today. Now, I can't tell you a whole lot about that. You can find Brother Evan after the uh, uh, service, and he can fill you in on what encryption is all about. But I'll just give you, in layman's terms, I'll give you what encryption is. It is the writing of code that causes something to be crypto, or it causes something to be hidden. Uh, Much of your personal information on the World Wide Web is what they call encrypted. In other words, people just can't... uh, they just can't, or at least they should not be able to, stumble onto your, uh, your information, and it's easily accessible. Why? It's encrypted. It is, it's hidden. And the Bible's telling us this, that when you and I become a Christian, our life becomes encrypted. Our life becomes crypto. It becomes hid with Christ in God. Now you say, preacher, is that important? Well, it's really important. And I believe as I begin to explain this a little bit later today, I hope you'll have a greater understanding of what this is talking about. You and I, when we got born again, our life was hid with Christ in God. Now, again, I'm just, I love illustration. And so I'm just trying to, I want, I want to make sure that you're with me today. And I want to, I want to make sure that you understand. There's some of you here, here this morning that pay a little extra every month for something called a safety deposit box. And in that safety deposit box, you have very important things. You have, some of you leave your passports in your safety deposit box. Others of you have 
maybe you have very expensive jewelry uh, in a safety deposit box, life insurance policies, uh, or some type of, uh, you know, something like that you'll have in that safety deposit box. Again, the idea is this, that it's in a place where people can't get to it, and it's in a place where if your fire or your house caught on fire, uh, those valuables would be protected. Now, think about it. Your valuables are hid within the safety deposit box in the bank's vault. So it's not just in a safety deposit box. No, it's further than that. The safety deposit box is hidden in the vault. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to the church of Colossae here. He's saying, when you got born again, your life became hid with Christ in God. Now, I know you don't get, you're not getting it yet, but I believe you'll get it here in just a little bit. And man, it'll be worth rejoicing about. Now, there are several lessons we learn here from Colossians chapter 3. And I, I believe that these will be a, a blessing to you here. How about, first of all, we see the lesson of what I'm going to call concealment, which is what that word means, concealment. When you, when you become a born-again Christian, your personal life is not what stands out anymore. You know why? Because it has become concealed. It has become hid. Your life, I'm talking about you personally, your life is placed on the back burner when you get born again. So people will not see Steve Pope and they'll not see Mike Hill or Ricky Bird or Lyndon Turner. Your life is hid. Your life is concealed. And the reason it's like that is so people, when they look at you, won't see you, but they'll see somebody else. They'll see God. That's what the Bible is talking about there. Now, listen to how John said it. Uh, and Brother Joe preached on, on John the Apostle Friday night. But listen to how John said it in John chapter 3, verse number 30. John said, he, talking about Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. Now, you know what John was saying? When I got born again, my life was hid with Christ in God. John is saying this, I don't want people to see me. I don't want people to hear me. I want people to see Jesus. I want people to hear Jesus. Listen to how Paul said in Galatians chapter two, verse number 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so Paul said, again, I don't want people to see Paul. I, I'm, I'm more than willing to share my testimony and tell folks how I came to Christ and how I was born again, but I don't want people to see Paul. I want people to see Jesus. Listen to how Matthew said it in Matthew chapter five and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify, not you, but glorify your Father which is in heaven. Oh, listen to me, church. This is what I'm saying. When you get to the place and you are born again, you realize something. Your life has just become hid with Christ in God. It's no longer about you. And it's no longer about me. Listen, church, listen. Truth matter is, you can see me all day long. Your life's not gonna change. Now, I appreciate your love. I appreciate your loyalty. I appreciate your prayers. And I know I have people at Calvary Baptist Church who love their pastor and support their pastor and pray for their pastor. And I appreciate that so much. I really do. I, I am, I'm telling you what, my wife and I are blessed beyond measure with some of the greatest people in the world. But I'm telling us today, it takes more than a preacher. It takes more than a pastor. It takes, listen, I'm telling you, you can look at the priest all day, but he's not gonna change your life. And you can look at the pastor 
pastor all day and he's not going to change your life and you can get your eyes on a deacon or a Sunday school teacher and it's not going to change your life. But when you look and see Jesus, it'll change you. Oh, listen, it's no longer about us, church. When people walk into Calvary Baptist Church, they should not see us. They ought to see Christ. They ought to see Christ. I mentioned sometime back, I mentioned a fellow by the name of William Borden. Some of you have been to the grocery store and you've saw the Borden, the Borden Dairy section. Borden Dairy Milk, you know, what Borden Milk and Borden Sour Cream and Cheese and all those kind of things. And William Borden was the son uh, who was an heir to the, the Borden Empire. For a, listen, I'm talking about multi-billionaires. His mom and dad, for a graduation present from high school, his mom and dad gave him a trip around the world. That's what they gave him. William Morton goes on this trip around the world, but little did they know that while he was on that trip around the world, you know what God did? God burdened William Borden's heart for missions. And William Borden wanted to lead people to Christ. William Morton understood something, that his life was hid with Christ in God. It wasn't about William Borden. It wasn't about him being the heir to the throne. It wasn't about him being the heir to the empire. And so William Borden came back from that trip and said, Mom and Dad, I want to be a missionary. And people came alongside of William Borden and said, William, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? What are you thinking? Do you know who you are? Do you know what your name is? Do you know who your mom and dad are? Do you know what kind of riches you have waiting for you? Do you know you could just, you, you could go anywhere and work anywhere in the world that you want to work? And William Borden said, it's not about me. It's about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And William Borden understood a truth that a lot of Christians don't understand that this life is not about you and this life is not about me. This life is about Christ. And I would ask us today, when people look at you, when people look at you, do they see you? Or do they see Christ? Now I want to show you, if I could, I want you to hold your place or put your bookmark there at Colossians 3, because we're coming right back. But I want you to, I want you to turn over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, and I want to show you a classic example in Scripture of what I'm preaching about this morning. 1 Peter chapter number three, and look if you will at verse number one. Now, specifically, this is talking to the wives, at least right here in these few verses. But I believe that this uh, is a good illustration of what I'm preaching here on this first point. 1 Peter chapter three and verse one, the apostle Peter uh, says this in 1 Peter three, verse one, likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. In other words, ladies, if you're living with an unsaved husband, don't preach at him. It's not the way you're going to win him. You don't nag him. That's not the way you're going to win him. But you, you subject yourself to him, and you live according to uh, Christ's likeness. Uh, that's what he's talking about. Uh, that, that, he may, that they may also, without the word, be won by the conversation. That word conversation means lifestyle by the conversation of the wives. Now, look at verse 2. While they behold your husband, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Look at verse 3 especially. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair or of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, verse four, but let it be the what? Inward. 
but let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. In other words, in other words, you know what Peter's saying, ladies? If you want to win that lost husband of Christ, listen, make sure he doesn't see you. Make sure he sees Jesus. That's what he's saying. Man, it's not about the way you braid your hair. It's not about the way you put on jewelry. It's not about the way that, that you put on perfume. I'm not against ladies being pretty. I believe you ought to be pretty. But I'm just saying this, and this is what the Bible is saying. If you're going to win that lost loved one, they've got to see Christ. That's what they're saying. Oh, listen, church, listen. Don't ever, and, and I'm not preaching on this this morning, but let me just pay tribute to this. Don't ever get your eyes on a person. Don't come into Calvary and get your eyes on a person. If you get your eyes on a person, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Don't get your eyes on the preacher. Don't get your eyes on the pastor, the assistant pastor. Don't get your eyes on a sound man or a choir member or a Sunday. Listen, don't get your eyes on people. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And so we see that lesson of concealment. But there's something else quickly. Number two, we see the lesson of what I'm going to call curiosity. Colossians 3, verse 3, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now think about this. When a person is genuinely born again, the world looks on and wonders why they're living like they're living. Think about it. You look like them. When I say you look like them, I mean you have two eyes like them. You have a nose on your face like they have a nose on their face. You have two arms you have two legs. You have five fingers. You're made out of the same stuff that they're made out of. You exist like they exist. You live in a house like they live in. You work a job like they work. You drive a car like they drive, but you don't live like they live. You don't live like they live. You don't do the things that the world does. And yet, you're happy about it. And so they're like, you mean to tell me you don't party on Saturday night? No. I party on Sunday morning. You mean to tell me you don't get high? I get high on Jesus, brother. I swing high on. And by the way, no hangovers with that kind of high. And, and they're like, seriously? You mean to tell me you've never cheated on your wife? You mean to tell me that, that uh, you don't look at all the filth that the world looks at? You mean to tell me that you don't talk like everybody else talks and you don't use the same dirty four-letter words that everybody else uses? And you're like, nope, sure don't. And yet you're happy about it. And they look at you as if to say, man, I don't understand this. And the reason they don't understand it is because you're curious. <laughs> you are curious. And sometimes your coworkers look at you as if to say, man, what's your deal? What's up with you? What, what's wrong with you? I would ask a question. Is the world, think about this. Is the world curious of your lifestyle? If they're not, maybe your life's not hid with Christ and God. Hey, when the world looks at you fellows, do they say, man, there's something different about that guy? When the world looks at you teenager, when your friends look at you at school, do they say, man, there's something different about that kid? There's something different about that teenager. I, I, I can't put my finger on it. And the reason they can't put their finger on it is because your life's hid with Christ in God. 
But they look on and they think, man, he don't talk like we, don't, we talk and he don't, uh, you know, he don't hang around the same crowd we hang around and they don't, they don't look like we look and they don't act like we act. And, and uh, I'm telling you, when the world looks at us, there ought to be something different about us. Listen to Titus chapter two, verse four. The Bible says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. The Bible says, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, I, you and I are to be peculiar. Now, does that mean weird? No, it doesn't mean weird. I know some weird Christians. I don't want you to be weird. We got enough of those running around. But you and I are to be peculiar. And the word peculiar means this, being beyond usual. That's what it means. Being beyond usual. Now, you say, brother, see, what are you saying? Did you know that according to scripture, our appearance ought to be curious to the world? You say, preacher, this is Sunday morning. I know what, what service it is. Did you know your appearance ought to stand out? Did you know that as a child of God, you're not to look like the world looks? You're not to dress like the world dresses? That means that, that when people look at you, you say, well, you know, preacher, you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, looking churchy when I come to church. Well, that's our problem. We got a world that's churchy and a church that's worldly. And you know what? If it's right to, if it's right to dress right at church, it's right to dress right when you're not at church. And when the world looks at us, I'm just saying this, we're to be peculiar. We're to be, we're to be curious. When they look at us, they'll say, man, he doesn't dress like everybody else. And she doesn't dress like everybody else. And uh, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Listen, we are to look different in our appearance. The appearance of the Christian should be curious. I'll tell you something else. The attitude of the Christian should be curious. Did you know the Bible tells us, and we'll talk more about this tonight, but the Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Philippians chapter three, verse one, the Bible says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16, Paul said, rejoice evermore. Listen, our attitude ought to be curious. Now, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Listen, on Monday morning, we ought not roll in like the rest of the world. I mean, they roll in with their, their eyes bloodshot and their lips, you know, just hanging on the ground. And I mean, they act like, man, it's the worst day ever. And, and you say, good morning. And they're like, what's good about it? And I'm telling you, God's people on Monday morning ought to go to work with a different kind of attitude. When we go to school, ought to go to school with a different kind of attitude. Brother, we ought to rejoice in the, in the fact that, you know, listen, it don't matter if it's Monday or Friday, I'm saved on both days. And I ought to act like I'm saved on both days. I'm telling you, I have got something to shout about today. I'm born again. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing that I can do about it. I'm telling you, you are looking at a preacher that's on his way to glory. You say, Pastor, I'm not a shouter. Okay, then you at least ought to smile about it. Man, some Christians need to look in the mirror and tell their face to be happy. 
we've got something to rejoice about. You say, well, I know, Pastor, but what about the White House? What about the White House? What about God's house? Listen, uh, listen, what happens in Washington ought not affect our attitude. What happens in the Congress ought not affect our attitude. What happens in the Senate ought not to affect our attitude. I'm telling you, thank God, everything's all right in my father's house. God's not in heaven uh, taking uh, tranquilizers and, and, and Xanax and, and everything else trying to stay calm. I'm telling you, God is in control. Yeah. Our attitude ought to be curious. But I wrote something else down. Our attendance ought to be curious. By the way, just in case you're wondering, your neighbors are paying attention. They're watching. My wife and I have neighbors just right, right next to our house. They watch, they're watching. They know our schedule. They know on Sunday morning, they know what's gonna happen. That truck's, by the grace of God, that truck's pulling out of the driveway. Because they know we're going somewhere. They know we're on a mission. And so they don't look over to our house and you know, one week that truck's gone and then two weeks it's there and then a week it's gone and then three weeks it's there. No, it's gone every Sunday. They know. By the way, they also know on Sunday night that truck's gonna be gone. And then on Wednesday night that truck's gonna be gone. And I would just encourage you and let you know that listen, your neighbors are watching. They're watching. Our life is hid with Christ and God. And so the world looks on and they think, wow, there's something different. There's something different about that person. But let me end today. Let me bring this thing to a close. Number three is this. We not only see the lesson of concealment and the lesson of curiosity. Hang on, church. But we see the lesson, the lesson of covering, of covering. Colossians chapter three, verse three, the Bible says, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Again, don't, don't forget this is talking to saved people. When you accept Christ, from that point on, you and I are covered by the grace of Almighty God. When I got saved 41 years ago, you know what happened? I became hid with Christ in God. You know what that means? Nobody can get to my salvation. You can't make me lose it. I can't make me lose it. Now, there are people who believe that you know what? Well, preacher, you're right. Nobody else can make you lose it, but I can make my own self lose my salvation. How can you make you lose your salvation when you can't even find it? You are hid with Christ in God. You need some, more, some further evidence? Okay, I'll give you some. Take your Bibles, if you will, this morning. We're done, but take your Bibles and turn over, uh, turn over to uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, the gospel of John. In John chapter 10, when you get born again, your life, now think about this church, because this will help you. When you get born again, your life, your new life is hid with Christ in God. And so you know what happens? You get put in God's safety deposit box, which is Jesus, and that safety deposit box get put, gets put into the vault, God's vault, and you are hid with Christ in God. All right, we're gonna read John 10 in just a minute, but listen to this. How do remember, how many remember this? Over in the book of Jude, the Bible tells us that the devil wanted so bad to find the body of Moses. He disputed, the Bible says he disputed with, with Michael, the archangel, over the body of Moses. 
And we believe this, that the, that the, that the reason the devil wanted to find the body of Moses was, was because he wanted to make it a shrine. He wanted to make the people worship the body of Moses. But did you know the devil was never successful in finding the body of Moses? You say, why? The book of Deuteronomy tells us exactly why. Do you know who buried Moses? Not Aaron. <laughs> Not Joshua. <laughs> now they mourned his passing, but they didn't bury him. Do you know who buried Moses? God Almighty buried Moses, and he was never found again. <laughs> Now we've got an Old Testament illustration of a New Testament truth. Did you know when you get, oh yes, good neighbor, when you get born again, when you, maybe it was a revival or maybe a camp meeting or maybe a Sunday morning service and you realized you were lost and undone without Jesus and you trusted Christ as your Savior, you know what happened? Right then at that very instant, God buried you. You became hid with Christ in God. And by the way, nobody, including the devil, is ever gonna find you. Now listen, listen to John 10. John 10, verse 28. John 10, verse 28. Jesus said this. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall, what? Never perish. Watch now. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You know what that's talking about? That's Jesus. Jesus is the one teaching this. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. In other words, when you are saved, oh, wow. When you are saved, you are placed in the hand of God, of Jesus. But look at the next verse. The Bible says, my father, which gave to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of whose hand? My father's hand. Different, sounds the same, but different. You know what Jesus is saying? Right, let me see, I've got here, uh, I've got uh, some nail clippers right here in my pocket. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, when you get born again, when you get blood washed, when you get born again, Jesus said, you are placed in my hand. He said, but you're not only placed in my hand, but he said, you're placed into the big old gigantic, almighty, omnipotent, omniscient hand of God Almighty. And by the way, go to the book of Ephesians later on and you'll find out there's something else. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter four that at that point you are not only in the hand of Jesus and the hand of God, but you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's foolish to think you can get yourself out of God's hand and out of Jesus' hand. If you've been born again today, it's time to start living like it. If you've been born again and you know you've trusted Christ as Savior, hey, what you need to do right now is claim the victory and shout the victory down and just get busy serving God and understand, listen, understand a great truth. Listen, here's the great truth. 41 years ago, when I received Christ as my Savior, my life instantaneously was hid with Christ in God. Interesting story. For more than 30 years, there was an archaeologist by the name of Howard Carter. And Howard Carter was searching in the deserts of Egypt for something that everybody thought was totally untrue. They didn't believe it existed. They called it the Valley of the Kings. 
And that place had been excavated and excavated again and ruins had been found and tombs had been found. And Howard Carter was searching for the tomb, not just the tomb, but he was searching for the tomb of King Tutankhamun, King Tut, we call it. 30 years he searched, 30 years, <laughs> never found anything. After another five years, his sponsor, who was sponsoring the work, came and said, we're done. We're not, we're not funding the work anymore. But Howard Carter kept on going and kept on going. And one day as he was digging, he unearthed the staircase. And they brushed that sand away. And that staircase led down to a labyrinth of chambers and rooms. And they found the tomb of King Tut. He was the first mummified king whose body was brought at fully intact and was put in a museum. You say, preacher, what? Why, why, why they never found that? Because for 3,000 years, it was hidden. Hey, Calvary, I got great news for you. Your life is hid with Christ in God. You know what we ought to do? We ought to start living like it. Amen? Man, there ought to be something different. There ought to be something different about you and me because we know the Savior. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time we've had together this morning. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'll come now and, and meet with us today. Father, I pray that if there's one here this morning that doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior, Father, I pray today would be the day that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Father, maybe somebody's watching by way of the live stream. They're lost and undone without Christ. Father, help this to be the day. April the 16th, 2023. Lord, I pray they'll come to the Savior. Oh, Lord, help them to understand he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Lord, he's a God that'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And God, I pray today that you would do a work of grace in their heart, give them faith to believe, draw them to thyself, and I pray they'll come to the Lord today. Then, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to realize those that are saved, our life, our new life, is hid with Christ in God. Lord, this, this, it's, this life's not about us anymore. It's not about what we want. It's not even really about our career. It's definitely about, not about our popularity. Lord, this life is about people seeing Jesus in us. Father, I pray today that you'd work in that Christian's heart today. And today they would say, Lord, I want this world to see you. I don't want them to see me. Lord, there's nothing about me that can change your life. It's got to be about you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll work in this invitation, have your way. And, Father, we sure thank you and praise you for it all. We trust you with it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question or two. We're going to go. How many of you here this morning would say, Preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. I know that I'm saved. If that's you, you just slip your hand up. Say, preacher, here's a testimony. I know that I'm saved. 
That's, that's wonderful. That really is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. How many are here this morning? Come on now. Right now, I want you to do some soul searching. Right now, I want you to get real honest with the Lord. Young or old, teenagers, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, maybe older. How many are here this morning would say, Brother Pope, I'm gonna be honest, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I care enough to let you pray for me by just slipping up my hand and saying, please remember me. Who's like that right now? You'd slip up your hand right now. Just raise it up real high and let me pray for you. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere? I see that little hand. I see a hand right there. Anybody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Preacher, remember me. Anybody? Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Let me ask you this, child of God, when the world looks at you, who do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see Christ in me? When the world looks at you, do they see Jesus? Have you died to self so Jesus can receive the glory? If not, listen, the altars are gonna be open today. Why don't you come and do business with the Lord? You're here this morning, you say, preacher, pray that I'll live a curious life. Not weird, I'm not talking about being weird. But preacher, pray that my life will be different. I want my friends to see something different. I want my family members to see something different, different in me. Not the same, not this old dead, dry Christianity. Something different. You're here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Pastor, somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's speaking to my heart about something right now. He knows what it's about. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. God, speaking to my heart right now, right now, right now. I see some hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Father, thank you for this time we've had together. I hope this has been a help. Lord, I'm so glad I don't have to worry. My life's hid with Christ in God. Thank God 41 years ago, Lord, my life was placed in that safety deposit box of Jesus Christ. And then it was placed in the vault in God's amazing supernatural vault father i pray that when people see me they'll not see steve pope i pray when people see me they'll see christ oh god do a work in this invitation have your way please and we thank you in jesus name our heads are bowed i'm going to ask our personal workers if they'll just tiptoe down very quietly to the altar this morning and if you're here this morning and say pastor I, I've, I've got a decision I need to make. Listen, if that's you, would you come while we wait? Would you come? Now, you don't have to meet with any of these folks on the altar, but 
If you want to just find a place on the altar and do business with the Lord, that's fine. You do that, just you and the Lord. But if you need prayer, there'll be somebody here to pray with you when you come. If you need to be saved, oh, listen, friend, don't leave lost, whatever you do. And so while we wait, just for a moment, if you need to come, the altars are open. Would you come while we wait? While we wait, would you come? Would you do business with the Lord? Father, we thank you for your blessings. God, I pray right now, Holy Ghost, that you just have your will and way. Lord, that you do what needs to be done. God, I pray that you'd help us to leave this place different, curious, peculiar. Lord, I pray our love will be peculiar. I pray that our standards and separation will be peculiar. God, I pray our message will be peculiar. I pray that our lifestyle will be curious to the world. And Father, when people see us, I pray that they'll see Jesus Christ. Please continue to work in this invitation. And Father, we sure thank you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Anybody else need to make a move? Anybody else right before we go? You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I've been saved but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. I need to. I need to make myself a candidate for baptism. That's that first step of obedience. Hey, you come today and make yourself a candidate for baptism. Pastor, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And we've been coming some, and we feel like God is, we feel like God's, you know, doing something in our heart about maybe joining with this local body here at Calvary. You're here today. You say, preacher, I am saved, but boy, oh boy, do I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I didn't mean to wander away from the things of the Lord, but I did. You say, Brother Pope, do you think the Lord, you think the Lord will take me back? You think the Lord will use me? Think he'll forgive me? Oh, I know he will. And maybe today you need to rededicate your life to Christ. While we wait just for a moment, will you come? Will you come?